Hey guys, this is Alex, and welcome to the Two Dudes Brews Interviews Podcast. On today's episode, we're talking about Darren Aronofsky's 2008 psychological drama, The Wrestler. If you like what you hear, consider subscribing to the podcast, leave us a rating and review, and maybe even tell your friends about us. With that being said, we hope you enjoy the show. Speaking of something different, your film that you recommended. Before we hop into that. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't remember what the name of this beer is. It's a uh, it's a Rheingeist. It's called Infinite Dawn. It's a sour blonde. Something I prohibited you from drinking last time I was over here because I brought it and I was like, you don't need that. I was <laughs> so far gone. You were inaudible. <laughs> I felt like my IQ had been reduced down to like single digits. It was really bad. <laughs> hey, it's pretty good. It's a sour. We were watching the Royal Rumble and I was getting pretty rowdy. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. That was a good time. Yeah, it was. Speaking of good times, this movie. <laughs> Speaking of wrestling. Yeah. Uh, I recommended for tonight to do The Wrestler, the 2008 Darren Aronofsky film uh, starring Ricky, Ricky, Ricky Bobby, Bobby. Mickey Rourke, of course. <laughs> Before we get into like the finer details of things, we can just get into like general thoughts about how we felt about it. You're more engrossed in the wrestling world than I am. I was I was expecting like him to be part of the WWE or something, but instead mm-hmm. it was more like, it felt more like just amateur even though like he definitely it had it been implied that he was on the top at one point it's not like this um this world is associated with any some sort of like uh organization like wwf or yeah and they're probably not allowed to like mention yeah. them by name um some of the organizations that do appear are real like ring of honor and then ccw those are all like real uh indie-ish promotions they make a comment about him wrestling at uh, madison square garden and i think that's what implies he was like in the WWF because mm-hmm. uh, they exclusively run like there, no other wrestling company is able to book shows at really? Madison Square Garden. Okay, there was just some things that rubbed me the wrong way about the film. I like knew going in that it was going to be a tragic story, without a doubt. Like I've heard this movie been mentioned by name multiple times, just in different like media consumption, like YouTube, and but I've never really ever heard anybody talk about it outside of like. Oh, Mickey Rourke. Yeah. They always associate with him, him to the film. And so, I don't know, he's an actor that like has never really shown up anywhere uh, for me outside of like Iron Man 2. Same. Which was like the same, around the same time, I think it was like the year after, was like 2009. Mm, yeah, something like that. came right. out, or like 2007 maybe, it was the year before. Or maybe it was yeah. the same year, I can't remember. But um, and Iron Man 2 kind of sucks. Yeah. For some reason, I thought, like, Mickey Rourke was, like, Russian, though, so, like... <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, he's just that good. Yeah. Stellar actor. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I was more curious for you what you thought, just based off, like, the wrestling angle, because you have more of a history with, like, the sport than I do. Yeah. Uh, I've been an on-and-off wrestling fan for most of my life. Yeah. I mean, from, like, age 9 to 13, I was a huge fan, and then... Uh, I think they did like this stupid segment on Raw one time where they had a Donald Trump impersonator <laughs> wrestle a Rosie Donald. Is that her last Rosie name? O'Donnell. Rosie O'Donnell, uh, an impersonator of her. And it was like just the worst thing I'd ever seen <laughs> at the time. And I didn't watch wrestling again for about a decade. Really? Yeah. I will say like when we watched it, it was a lot of fun. 
I think um, the suspension of disbelief is um, something that everybody has to agree upon while watching it. Like, it's just a good quality, like, white trash drama. It's like if Jerry Springer had, like, a storyline. It's, like, really thin soap opera storylines mixed mm-hmm. with, like, a stunt show in the middle yeah. of the ring under the uh, disguise of a sport, yeah. basically. Uh, it's like monster trucks with people. <laughs> yeah, kind of. And uh, I don't know. It, there is something, like, kind of fun about that, and I think it's something that can be, like, easily wrote off. I will say, I think me and a sober Austin would be like, kind of, like, write it off. Yeah. Like, in a way where it's, like, that's just not for me. But, like, if you get me in the right situation, per se, with a good friend of mine and yeah. a couple of drinks, like, fuck yeah. <laughs> I'm all about it, man. Yeah. So, I feel like I had a little bit of um, respect going in, just based up on the fact that we watched the Rumble last time I was here. And, I don't know, there was some things I appreciated about it uh, for that reason. But, like, I will say generally, I don't know that I actually really like the film. Ooh, Okay. I have my critiques, and I'll definitely bring those in, but I'm, I'm interested in why that is. Because, like, for the first 30 to 40 minutes, I was, like, really fucking loving it. Same. I was thinking, man, like, I'm really going to end up, like, giving this a 10 or something at the end of all this. Just because, like, it portrays wrestling the most realistically I've ever seen in a film. I mean, like, in other things, it's usually, like, the butt of a joke. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely like, takes a respectable road. But I also think... The times where it's like extremely depressing kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Did it like veer too far into like misery porn yeah. type stuff? It took the words like right out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, I, I really loved a lot of uh, the, about the first hour and 10 minutes. And I think once things start to unravel, I started to lose a little bit of respect mm-hmm. because I did think it was kind of delving too deep into like misery porn. Okay. Um, like I'm, I'm not very familiar with Aronofsky. I'm trying to think of another film that I've seen by him. I think you told me you've seen Black Swan, right? Yeah. I was not old enough to like really even mm. understand though at that at that point in time. It's kind of interesting because Black Swan is sort of a companion piece to this movie. I heard it's a good double feature. I mean, you got character studies kind of showing uh someone obsessed with art to the point of like hurting themselves mm-hmm. or other people. Yeah. And I think What's really cool about the two of them is that wrestling is usually considered like one of the lowest art forms. <laughs> and then in Black Swan, you've got ballet, which is like very uppity, prestige, like high end type shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've never seen Requiem for a Dream, though, right? No. And I heard that film is absolutely heartbreaking. And I like, ref- yeah, I actually refuse to watch it. <laughs> if you thought this one was miserable, then you yeah. would fucking hate that movie. I didn't find the wrestler to be that miserable. Really? Mm. And maybe it's because I watched it two nights after watching Von Trier's Dancer in the Dark, Mm. which was like one of the most misery porn-ish movies I've ever seen in my life, probably. So this felt relatively tame compared to that. I think the drawbacks that I had with this one is uh, I was really let down by the melodrama, like with like the estranged daughter Mm -hmm. and the love interest. I think that stuff fell really flat for me. Same. For the most part. And... That's kind of where a lot of my criticism lies. And I think why it's so impactful with like my reception of the film is because the movie spends a lot of time developing that. Dude, for- the entire second act yeah. is all that. I don't know. I found it kind of frustrating. I think there was a lot of stuff that was super charming. The reason I don't resonate with stuff that is just straight misery is because if there's not like an ounce of 
hope and integrity by the end, I'm kind of like, yeah, fuck, like this is fucking stupid. One of my favorite films is fucking Misery Porn, and that's Manchester by the Sea. Like the movie's just fucking sad. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> but, a depressing one. But in the end, I felt like everything's gonna be okay. Everybody's gonna move on. And this film, I'm just like, wow, okay. <laughs> by the end, I'm like, well, there goes that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was let down by that shit, man, because all the wrestling stuff in the first hour was so authentic to like mm-hmm. real backstage shit. One of my favorite scenes in the whole movie, it's like showing behind the scenes before the first on-screen match, and it's all the guys going over the match before they mm-hmm. go out like, "Hey man, like you should work the neck because no one ever does that." Getting like the cheap heat. I don't know if you like understood a lot of these yeah. phrases and shit. It got the lingo down. I think a lot of these guys that were like in that scene are actual yeah. like, indie wrestlers. But yeah, it, it sucks that it diverts the focus away in the middle. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We can get into like Randy, Randy the Ram, the character, <laughs> if you want to. I think uh, Mickey Rourke does a great job, without a doubt. I felt like he was authentic to his role the entire time. Like it was great. Him as a character was. He was extremely uh, likable despite his flaws. What's really frustrating to me is how many people like write him off. It was frustrating to watch his character go through that. And mm. I think ultimately it frustrated me by the end. I mean, he's not like a good guy, but like no. he's trying to be, I guess. He's, he's a tough character to read. Like you empathize with him, but at the same time, it's like his daughter is kind of right. Fucking ignored her for probably 20 years. I mean, how old do you think this character is supposed to be? Evan Rachel Wood. Probably like late 50s. Oh, you mean oh, the, the daughter? daughter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, damn. She's looking good for 50s. She an old fuck. Um, <laughs> probably, I don't know, probably 24, 25. With Randy, I think they really could have gone down a shittier path with this character. Like, I was expecting, uh, especially after it shows him in that first scene where like the, the promoter comes up and he says, like, sorry, man, the gate wasn't as much money tonight as I thought. Uh-huh. And I immediately think, okay, he's going to be like bitter, broken down, asshole type character. But then it like shows him 10 minutes later, like playing with these kids at the trailer park. Uh-huh. And it's like weirdly wholesome yeah. in a way. Yeah. Like I'm glad they didn't go down like the most depressing route we could have. Yeah. Like Randy's a dick. And I think the opening, is it the opening shot where him in the chair? I think so. <clears throat> it shoots to like 20 years later. I think there's some really great cinematography moments with stuff like that. I think the way the film opens up, I was expecting him to like be like him owing everybody money. Because I think the film kind of implies that, but it seems like nothing ever really goes wrong for him outside of the his relationship with Pam slash Cassidy and his daughter. Like everything else just feels like hey, he's doing okay for himself, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, he owes people money for performance enhancing drugs. Um, he works at what seems to be a, a grocery store in the back, ends up at the deli counter. <laughs> provide some interesting scenes later on for yeah. sure I mean, he owes money to uh like his landlord which um yeah did you notice this the landlord is played by mark margolis aka uh don hector from breaking bad no i didn't even i saw him on the credits list but i couldn't pinpoint where dude i couldn't figure it out either and i rewatched it last night knowing that he was a landlord and in the scene he appears on, appears in, I should say, because of the handheld nature of like the way that scene yeah. is shot, like he's completely out of focus. Like yeah. you can't even fucking tell it's him. Yeah. And I think this is before he mm. was Don Hector. Yeah. So I think he was kind of like one of those washed up like eighties mafia movie guys. <laughs> when did Breaking Bad start? Was it twenty eleven? 
um, I think 08 was the first season. Really? Yeah. And then he shows up in like the first episode of season two, which would have been like a mm. year or two later. But yeah, gotcha. weird, very weird casting choice with the future in mind. <laughs> I don't know. I think I kind of like found the trailer park lifestyle kind of charming in a way. Like mm-hmm. he's kind of been forgotten by time, dude. Like these kids are talking about like Call of Duty and stuff and he has like a <laughs> Super Nintendo. Like speaking of Super Nintendo, I think that's a great point to bring up where like it always seems like he's uh trying to relate things back to wrestling he's always trying to like feel good about himself propping himself up his ego yeah i'm by, sure like, little actions like this yeah it has to hurt to be a star and then end up like wrestling in a gymnasium yeah later on yeah like in that conversation he has with cassidy at the strip club like the first time he goes to see her he can't stop bringing up like his injuries over the years yeah like diverting the conversation like oh yeah you think that's bad check out the scar i got uh-huh. wrestling the ayatollah I guess I can see why someone would do that. Yeah, and I and I think another thing with that is I thought their relationship at the beginning was implying like, oh, like he's a regular for sure. But like maybe they were kind of friends, I guess. Like it, it kind of felt odd, a little bizarre. By the middle of their relationship, I don't know how you even describe it, but <laughs> just as they develop more on-screen time, it becomes apparent that like he's kind of a nuisance to her. And I think that makes those earlier scenes even weirder. Yeah, for sure. Like him showing up and being like, hey, you got to fucking treat the lady nice. What are you doing? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, that's fucking weird. Can't take no for an answer. Yeah. And it kind of makes me question why, like, she decides to go for it with him in the end. Like, I I don't know if I bought that completely. Like, her rushing to uh, that last match that he has to profess her love to him. (laughs) I don't know. I wasn't... I just didn't buy it at all. Yeah, me neither. It, it just felt kind of disconnected. And that's the other thing. I was really trying to wrap my head around like why this film is like critically acclaimed. Yeah, I was surprised because I think this is his most acclaimed movie. 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Um, multiple Academy Award nominations, at least. Marissa Tomei was nominated for Best Supporting. And I find that odd because I didn't really think she was great. She was fine, but you not know, amazing. You know what it is? I think it might just be because it's a product of its time. You think um, so? Because I think in 2008, films like this were the fucking, they were the shit. Yeah. Like these were the the Canes Film Festival, not artsy, but like gritty, leaned really heavy. Like think about like the music that was popular at this time, like fucking dad rock and like, you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah. Does that make sure. That, that kind of, uh, I think that might be why. The 2010s definitely got or made things a little bit weirder. I think, like in terms of mainstream acceptability. Yeah, I don't know. I, I thought that critically it was a little overrated. Yeah, I, I don't know. It was frustrating for those reasons. Don't get me wrong, Marissa Tomei, she's she's great. Her role in like um, Crazy Stupid Love is one of my f- uh, favorites that she's in. I always forget that she's in that. She plays the the teacher. I think that's like one of the best uh, rom coms there is. I agree. Was it weird seeing Aunt May naked? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all, my friend. You know, I don't buy for a second that a bunch of college dudes would consider her to be like this broken down old stripper. Like if you wanted to have that I dialogue, know. you needed to cast a different actress. I agree. She's very nice. You know, pardon me, but like fucking smoking, man. <laughs> Not a thing I say very often. Yeah. She's a good looking girl. She still looks amazing. Yeah, I know. That's why I never bought her as Aunt May. Yeah, same. She's too young. I mean, I know they were trying to play like the new age, like aunt 
No, she needs to be old and frail. Yeah. Like they also like played up her sex appeal with like happy and Spider Man and stuff. Like mm-hmm. yeah. So it, it's kinda out of touch. I, I like the Aunt May from the Tobey Maguire, Sam mm-hmm. Raimi. Like she's fucking she's real Aunt May. Aunt May from Into the Spider Verse as well. You don't want Aunt May to be a smoke show. It's weird. For some reason, I can't remember Aunt May in the Spider-Verse movie. She's just an old lady, for sure. Oh, doesn't a bunch of shit go down in her house? house? That's right. That's right. And and honestly, like, this is kind of an odd frustration of mine, but, like, I could have done without all the the nudity and all the strip club shit. Like, at a certain point, it became distasteful. I think early on, it would have been okay. This Um, is that trashy mid-2000s type thing. It just kind of felt like a little too much for me. I think every time we returned to it after that first scene, I kind of groaned yeah. a little bit like, oh, God. It's like cheap. I've never been to the strip club. I don't know about you. Nope. It's not my thing. Nope. I do not want to pay money to be blue balled for I, hours. On I end. literally thought about what would it be like? I'm like, who would I go to the strip club with? I'm like, I guess it would have to be Getter. And then I was like thinking about, I'm like, there's no way I could sit next to you and be like, ah, look at the fucking tits on that one. <laughs> I, I, I fucking couldn't do it, dude. Is this like a new age thing? Like our generation? I think, dude. Strip clubs are just gross. I used to get invited to go all the time when I was like yeah. early 20s, like 18, 19. And I always found an excuse not to go. I'm good. I don't need to. It's just fucking weird. It's like a waste of money. Yeah. It's definitely a mid 2000s thing. It's not a th- It's not my thing. Like, how do we make this movie gritty? It's just film scenes of the strip club, I guess. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think dialogue-wise, it was, like, pretty great. I thought the mm-hmm. script was really tight. I think for the most part, yeah. Some of the dialogue with, like, Evan Rachel Wood, I think, was kind of badly written, like, the first time he goes to visit her. Yeah. Because if she's in her mid-20s, the way her uh, tantrum at him is written feels like she's, like, a 15-year-old in a way. You asshole, dad, where you been? I don't know. It felt like it wasn't age-appropriate for... The character, mm. the way she was portrayed, it felt more childish than anything. Yeah, uh, to me, it didn't really bother me that much. I think I kind of viewed it in a way of, this is a trauma response. Yeah, and that's true too. Like trauma, when you can't get past it, you end up like upholding the personality of like that kid that you were. Mm. You have a tantrum because yeah. you haven't been able to like emotionally process shit. I don't know. We also don't know... How long it had been since the last time he actually saw her. Yeah. That's another thing, too. I, I thought at points the film almost implied that this has been cyclical. He shows up every couple of years to yeah. make amends yep. and fucks it up. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of felt that, but then at the same time I was like, I don't know if they were really going for that. I don't know. It was a little vague. And I think that that's one of the reasons why the ultimate, like, the severing of that relationship kind of felt a little out of touch. The film's runtime is like an hour and 49. Feeling like I didn't have enough time to kind of feel like these relationships were being built in a way that was like uh, natural. They kind of felt forced via the plot. Like I could have gone another 20 minutes. I wanted like a, a couple more scenes with the daughter and Pam. So it's just kind of frustrating for me in that way. Because then like in the last 20 minutes, it's like, oh, we got to go do this show now. Yeah, the ending is really rushed. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is only, what, about an hour and 45 minutes, maybe? Yeah, I mean, by the time of credit rolls. It doesn't even hit the the two-hour mark, and I feel like it it really could have used that. One of the big failings with, like, these two relationships that he has in the movie, I think, can be summed up by a movie I just saw recently called Barton Fink by the Coen Brothers. It's about a screenwriter, or he's, he's a playwright that is hired to go to Hollywood. Ironically enough, he's hired to write a wrestling movie, and... The Hollywood CEO guys are talking to him 
It's John Turturro who plays Barton Fink. And they say, okay, there's one thing you have to have in the movie. You can either choose to have like a romantic interest or a child. <laughs> and then Turturro says, why not both? And then everybody looks at him like he's an idiot. <laughs> the wrestler did both. Yeah. Like we really could have cut one of them. Yeah, that's true. Like uh, there was the angle of her having kids. Like you could have played that up, like make their relationship deeper where like maybe he meets the child or something. I don't know. It just felt a little too disconnected. All of a sudden she's had a, a change of mind. And don't get me wrong. I think him showing up with like the thank you card and all that good stuff, you know, going out, helping him pick out some clothes. Like he needs a caretaker, somebody to give him direction, which like I thought like that was an angle that was played up really well. Like even the daughter says like you need somebody to take care of you. Um, you know, where were you for me? Blah, blah, blah. Like, that's all fine and dandy, but I don't know. It kind of felt like the support systems needed to be built up for them to fall apart. And I feel like you didn't get enough. We just didn't have enough time yeah. for both of them. I mean, think about if all that time had been devoted just to one of these. Yeah. I think as much as I like Mar Marissa Tomei, get her out of the movie. And then I think the father-daughter relationship would have been a lot more meaningful than like romantic interest. Yeah. And I, and also like the first time he can talk her into spending some time with her felt like really rushed. Like all of a sudden he was like pouring his heart out, which like, don't get me wrong. I think the delivery was great, but like you could have let a moment build up to that. And then the, the tragic downfall of him not showing up would have been more impactful because once he fucks up, I'm like, ah, like that happened really quick. To the point where, it, to me, it didn't have, like, an emotional impact. Mm -hmm. Same. And then I think that scene would have been more impactful if it were for some more time to let it simmer. Mm -hmm. and, th and the same thing with Pam. Like, him blowing up in the strip club would have felt more impactful if we just had more time. It's like, that was frustrating. Yeah, because after that, I didn't really understand why she went back to him. Because it felt like he was worse in the end. Like, he didn't really have much of a, a gesture to like convince her to like come back and profess her love like that kind of thing yeah it was all like like her kid was playing with the action figure it seems like a little bit of a stretch yeah that was that was a cheap screenwriting yeah. trick right there which sucks because like like we've said the acting in most of these scenes is pretty stellar for the yeah. most part i mean i think you said it a second ago but that scene with mickey rourke and evan rachel wood when they're like down by the water and he's like talking about how much he fucked up that little monologue he gives is delivered beautifully yeah like it's awesome but it's trying to strengthen a, a storyline that like is just completely flat yeah that sucks man i think this movie has like a lot of potential to mm -hmm. be better than what it ended up being we're doing a lot of sh a lot of shit talking here <laughs> any positives you want to bring up like, like yeah. good scenes yeah we'll come back um I'll grab another beer and uh we'll come back on a, a positive note positive we gotta be nice yeah the good scenes because i thought there were quite a few this review so far makes it sound like it's like a three out of ten movie it's better than that for sure yeah i think it's at its best when we're diverting away from the daughter and yeah. the love interest i really like all the stuff at his other job the like deli. The, the grocery yeah i thought that shit was for the most part really entertaining and it kind of leads to having like this weird mini antagonist with like his boss there <laughs> yeah he's just like the biggest fucking asshole gotta love the asshole boss trope did this guy get a name i don't even know i don't know fuck him fuck that guy does a good job being a dick though oh yeah great actor you know fun fact like 
you know that like Nick Cage was gonna play? Yeah, I read about this. Yeah. And then um he actually turned down the role while he was preparing because he realized that he's gonna have to take steroids, which he wasn't gonna do. So he ultimately like uh passed on it and then uh talked Mickey back into taking the role up. You know, it worked out for the for the best. And then like the the deli counter, you know like he just worked at a deli counter. Those were real customers. Damn, really? Yeah. Holy shit. I wonder if like the ones that actually approached the counter were yeah. like extras or nah. oh, just straight up real people. Straight up. Damn, what about when he uh, cuts his finger and bleeds all oh. over buddy? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. That would that would have been crazy. <laughs> that I don't know. They would have had to like hand out like NDAs to everybody after that shit. That's true. That's funny as fuck. That that I don't know. But I think um a lot of his interactions with customers were genuine. I find it interesting that him working now like in front of customers instead of like moving boxes in the back, he can't help but go into his desire to like perform. Yep. Where he's um, really just fucking around a lot, trying to shoot this potato salad like a football to some guy. Uh-huh. And I thought all that stuff was pretty fun. Seems like it makes him really likable. Yeah, and I think it in a in a subtle way kind of builds up in the back of your mind that he's a guy that needs to feel verification and um, gratification from outside sources other than himself. I think not having a lot of time with him actually wrestling... Like I could have, I could have gone with a couple more. There was some subtle tricks that helped push the wrestling side of things, like in his day to day. I think they were a little too subtle, though. Like him walking through like the plastic doors, you know, going out to the deli, like mm-hmm. having like the crowd noise behind him and stuff was yeah, like a, a nice like uh, visual trick and um, good symbolism. But I needed more of that. Yeah, I want to feel. I want to feel like he's insane. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, if you're going to do that, like, really lean. I think uh, after, you know, we sever relationships as well, it kind of helps play into the fact that, like, he gets, like, extremely manic. Uh, you know, after he punches the deli slicer and bleeds out everywhere and goes on a full rampage and is, like, laughing at himself in the car and stuff. I think that helps sell it for sure. But yeah, I want a little bit more in the day to day if you're going to kind of go over the top like that. I don't know, because by the end, I'm kind of like, ooh. Uh, like, we've kind of forgotten that it's a wrestling movie. Yeah. Like, halfway through. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the wrestling stuff was, like, super front-loaded. Like, that first 45 mm-hmm. minutes where it didn't seem like there was a narrative yet. Like, we're kind of just following him as a wrestler. I really wish, like, that was the whole movie. Like, him trying to stage a comeback to, like, the yeah. big stage. I don't know if we really needed, like, the heart issues and, mm-hmm. like, of course, like, the the relationships that we've talked about the death so far like if it was just rags to riches type thing Mm -hmm. with him making his way back to the top i think it would have been a lot better because that stuff in the middle makes it feel like kind of a run-of-the-mill like oscar Beatty movie yeah you know what i mean i agree that's really disappointing because the portrayal of the wrestling is like spot on i agree i thought that stuff was super fun it's like my favorite parts of the movie yeah so one of my favorite scenes is him uh taking polaroid pictures and like that kind of like that meetup like in that hall with like a bunch of has-beens oh the legend signing yeah this is depressing but i thought it was a great scene i mean it was depressing but like those moments were a little bit more authentic than the relationship stuff you can tell like there's internal dialogue there's like push and pull like stuff like that was i don't know it was a lot more authentic than Kind of like this half-ass bullshit. Yeah, definitely. you're right. It is kind of it is kind of Oscar Beatty. Yeah, man, that's a it's a big letdown, really. Fuck, we're still negative. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess if we want to get like positive, 
the technical stuff, cinematography-wise, I think there were some good long tracking shots. I liked the handheld style. Like, it felt like the movie was recorded on old digital cameras. Like, it yeah. was very grainy mm-hmm. and, like, low budget. I think this was only made for about $6 million, which yeah. is, like, pretty impressive. I was going to say, like, 6 or 7 or something like that. But then, like, the cinematography kind of changes when we're in the ring. Mm-hmm. Like, it felt a lot more cinematic yeah. during those sections. And thematically, I think that's, like, really fitting. Yeah. Because wrestling is a lot of spectacle. Even, like, push, like, wrestling angles for moves and stuff at times, and, like, you can get up close, and there's even, like, times where it feels like it shows him in the aftermath, and it's, like, 14 minutes ago. And it kind of looked like a wrestling replay, like, when they would play, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, oh, this is what happened just backstage right now. Yeah. You know, and, like, stuff like that was, I thought, actually, um, paid homage, um, where I thought it was pretty charming. That whole sequence is awesome. Like, oh, my God, it's just brutal. Jumping between the two timelines, like, him getting stitched up. Um, Staples. I was meaning to ask you, like, what you thought about, like, this deathmatch shit. Because this is a real thing. Yeah. Not my kind of wrestling, Like, really. hardcore. Yeah. Some people refer to it as, like, deathmatch or um, trash wrestling, garbage wrestling. Because there's, like, no technicals behind it. Like, you just hit each other with objects. That's not really interesting to me. Uh. But I think it's really weird and fucked up that people are willing to do it. <laughs> yeah. God, dude, that one guy, he felt like, uh, just like you're normal run-of-the-mill like your amish looking friend yeah <laughs> and then he turns out to be like a fucking like a masochist <laughs> i'm like what the fuck i think they mention him by name as necro butcher or something, <laughs> yeah, something weird. and when i heard that i'm like that sounds like a real wrestling name so i looked it up and that guy's like a real wrestler is he like, they just got him for the movie to do these scenes and i guarantee he like took the bumps himself yeah like, had shit smashed over his head and and he had no problem with it, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, I um, I really like the special effects they use to like pull the staples out. I found out after reading that uh, Aronofsky's real inspired by like David Cronenberg. Here's that body, gross out shit, yeah. playing a part here. The only problem I have with it really is that if a small promotion was bringing in like a former big name, that guy wouldn't be unaware that he was like getting into a violent oh, match like this. Yeah. Like, gotcha. it wouldn't be a conversation like, hey, man, you cool with Staples? <laughs> like, that never happens. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I liked, like, the fact that when the backstage stuff, it felt like it's just, like, guys at the gym being like, dude, you're looking fucking big, man. Like, uh-huh. you look good, man. Or, that's ah, good for you, man. I'm, you know, I'm happy for you. Or, like, this mutual respect between everybody. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. I don't know. That stuff just felt, like, really authentic, which is, like, kind of unfortunate because, I don't know, everything else feels kind of watered down compared to... yeah. You want to talk about like the end? Yeah, we can go there. If I think of anything else, I'll just bring yeah. it in afterward. I um I like the ending, even though it's like kind of rushed. The whole heart attack stuff is like kind of like ugh. But I was having flashbacks to uh when we did like the Sound of Metal, where when we went into that movie, I was really hoping to get like a bunch of like the music industry stuff, like like, like, like similar leading, to Whiplash, like leading up to him losing his hearing in that movie. But then like. The hearing stuff happens in the first 10 minutes, yeah. and then the rest is, like, the slow character study mm-hmm. stuff, which I like. But, yeah, missed opportunity, man. I didn't need the the health melodrama. Yeah. I'm not into the stories like that, really. I think they play up his character's inability to accept his situation, for sure, but I like the end. I don't think it's as impactful that, as I want it to be. Like, I love the fact that it, like, ends, it ends in the wrestling ring. I think maybe, like, if I was going to 
give this film the benefit of the doubt. Maybe that's what kind of what it's implying. Like all the other shit that we just watched was bullshit. And like, mm-hmm. this is what really is important at the end of the day. Like, yeah. I don't really think it really achieved that. I'm like giving the room, I'm giving it a lot of <laughs> room here, but you know, it, you know, I'll, honestly, I thought the ending was a like, it was a little cheap, but I, I mean, I get it. Like her standing there backstage, uh, you know, and she like walks away. You know what I mean? She's no longer there watching. No, she knows what's about to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It wasn't as emotionally uh, impactful as I thought it was going to be. Like, reading up about the movie before I watched it, I was like, oh, this is going to be fucking, like, so heartbreaking. I'm going to walk away feeling like absolute dog shit. And then I'm like, no, that's all right, I guess. And then I, you know, I watched, um, we both recently just watched La La Land. Yeah. Uh, independently of each other. And I went into that movie and being like, you know, it's going to be like a fun, artsy musical that's like going to be a fun one. And by the end, I'm like, I am fucking heartbroken. I'm miserable. <laughs> like, I don't want to watch a movie again for a little while. I, I just had my heart ripped out. I expected that one to be Oscar Beatty. And then it wasn't. Yeah. It like deserved it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so there was like something, it was frustrating. Um, I think this movie kind of like, it doesn't play the scales very well. Like, there is no balance uh, at all, which is frustrating. But um, the good shit is good, and the bad stuff is bad. It's very unbalanced. Um, one thing I want to bring up is Mickey Rourke trained for two months, like, mm. with wrestling coaches. And he's on screen doing a lot of the stunts yeah. in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really impressive, considering, like, his age at yeah. the time. Someone that had never done that before, like... Hopping in at 50 and taking a bump off the top rope or like shit like that. I yeah. feel like that would be really hard if, you've, if you're if you not used to that. Yeah. He does a fucking Hurricane Rana in the final scene. I know you don't even know what that is, but it's like the flippy thing from the top rope where he jumps up and puts his legs around the dude's head. Yeah. And he like backflips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in camera for that, right? Yeah. That's like a, a lucha move. Like <laughs> small, tiny, young guys do yeah. moves like that. And like Rey Mysterio. Yeah, Rey Mysterio has done a billion Hurricane Ranas in his career. And here we have 50-year-old Mickey Rourke doing it for a Hollywood movie. Like, I thought that shit was cool. Yeah. All that stuff is really fun, man. But yeah, I think uh, ultimately it just becomes like a sum of its parts, unfortunately. Like, mm-hmm. it just becomes a little watered down and a little bit of a missed opportunity on, on multiple occasions which is frustrating but i think um lesson wise for like filmmaking it makes a lot of sense there was just some missed marks and there are ways to improve the film but i think like there's some really stellar acting but and like the script's really good let me put it this way the dialogue is really good it just needs some more time to be fleshed out uh, yeah. in between these heavier moments that ultimately just become kind of just frustrating i think i have one more thing to bring in and this is like more of a a question i don't know if it was intentional or not but there's a weird scene the first time he goes to visit cassidy at the strip club and she quotes passion of the christ (laughs) randomly (laughs) and i thought this was really fucking weird but then i thought about the ram jam his finishing move Uh is him doing a christ pose off the Mm. top rope the movie doesn't lean super heavily into christian sacrificial (laughs) yeah (laughs) like it's kind of there i guess like but it's like a really kind of like a really loose, not fully formed metaphor. Like I don't understand why it was there. Yeah, I mean, he even like does like a a speech before the show type of thing. Like, yeah. you guys will let me know when I'm done. I mean, I guess kinda. It's just too fast. It's just too. The pacing is too quick. Yeah. Like I want to sit with him. Like in the first scene where like he's being handed a some cash. I want to like sit with him and like have more moments of just 
you know, just this quiet piece of mm-hmm. like being able to like reflect internal dialogue and I don't know. It's just I want more of that. You could have leaned so much heavier into that. Like we didn't even talk about it, but like there really is only one song that's being played the majority of the time for the score. Like I thought that was really good actually. Is it that guitar motif that yeah. shows up every once in a while? Yeah. Give me more of that. Give me some time to just simmer. I want to cool off. It ramps up in the way where it's it's not chaotic enough. I don't know. It doesn't have the balance. It's, it's something is off. Yeah. It, it needs to take one direction and stick there, uh, stick to the lane, and it, it, you, you just don't get it. Uh, another thing about the Ram Jam. <laughs> the Ram Jam. <laughs> Sorry. I hate this name. Do you know who Chris Benoit is? No, I'm not familiar. It's a very famous wrestling story because uh, he's the guy that did a double murder suicide. Okay. <laughs> And it was like a very big uh, story in wrestling. Yeah. And that incident happened a year before this movie came out. And Chris Benoit, his move was the Ram Jam. Oh, okay. And I found that really weird. I don't know if it was like intentional or not. Okay. I'm just curious about that. I know that I know that you wouldn't know, but like I couldn't really find anything about that when I looked it up. Mm. So I have no idea. I thought you would have got more out of the film because of like the heart attack stuff. Was that because like um. Like, wrestlers have had to retire over heart attacks. And yeah. I know there was a guy that, like, had come back from wrestling after having a heart attack that, like, you and Parker were, like, really excited for him to make his comeback. American guy. Almost, like, chin-strap beard. Chin-strap beard. He had a heart attack or, like, was, like, really injured for a long time and, like, couldn't wrestle. And then he, like, made a comeback. This was a couple years ago. Um, I don't think it was a heart attack. I think it was, um, like, a... A spinal issue, yeah, yeah, like yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like vertebrae in the neck were uh, like the disc were cracked or something. Yeah, yeah, that did happen. Oh, what Jerry the King Waller had heart attacks and still wrestled afterward. He's like a he's more known as an announcer mm. nowadays. I guess he came back. That that'd be like a pretty uh, like a tie-in with Randy in the movie. I remember like when we watched the Rumble, like fucking like Booker T showed up. Like, yeah. Booker T was a guy when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, that was super weird. And then he got out, like, immediately. <laughs> like, it's so weird. That's, like, kind of what the Rumble's for. Like, you can bring back retired wrestlers to come in, do one thing cool they move, were known yeah. for, and then toss them over the top rope, like, Fuck so that yeah. they don't get hurt or anything. I guess the reason why I didn't really think about, like, real-life tie-ins, like, injury-wise, like, at least to that degree, heart attack type shit, is because um, wrestling culture is a lot healthier now yeah. than it was yeah. in the mid 2000s like less steroid use like dude triple h that Ripped, that dude. era like where guys were like juiced to the gills that stuff he had a heart attack yeah a year or two ago yeah um, fucking crotch chop bro <laughs> my <but> signature move <laughs> i don't know if the, i don't know if the podcasting world know, knows about my crotch chop like i don't know if i've ever we've ever discussed this you had a phase where you like did it about 20 times a day probably <laughs> yeah i don't know what the <laughs> fuck what that was about is that what the movie was missing the crotch, crotch chops yeah, yeah fuck yeah give me the the showmanship man mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah uh nowadays wrestling culture way healthier drugs and steroids like aren't really prominent backstage anymore everybody's pretty friendly isn't like usada involved in wrestling now where like they have to test the wrestlers um it's actually like a a policy just that wwe has usada is not involved because they're um not a real sport gotcha gotcha but yeah it's called the wellness policy gotcha and you have three strikes and if you get a third strike they fire you that's good that's actually good yeah so a lot of wrestlers nowadays if you put them next to like an 80s guy they would look 
tiny. I was going to say, like, when we were watching the Rumble, like, a lot of those guys looked really healthy, like, mm-hmm. natural. It was, like, more acrobatics. Like, it felt like it was so much more um, springy and, like, less about, like, this boasting. Yeah, old school wrestling, it's all about how big you are. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, punches and kicks only, almost, yeah. for the most part. Yeah, it's they're just not weighed down by all this like extra muscle that's like not doing them any good, really. It's all Ster- for show. Steroids are so hard on your body. Yeah. Like, that your organs fucking suffer. Like you look good on the outside, but on the inside you are like dying. It's like one of the reasons why I, I can never do them, even though I'd love to eat a trend bologna sandwich. Eat a fucking, you don't know what that is. Like trend bologna is what the oh. steroid is called. <laughs> Or some a fucking D ball. Like, I was about to say I have no idea what that is. Yeah, Deca. My dad. I shouldn't say this, but my dad took that shit when he was young. <laughs> he's like, he's like, oh yeah, they fucking work. Uh-huh. <laughs> they make you stronger than an ox. I mean, uh, of, of course, all we all want to look like that. Yeah, like to a degree. So bad for you. It's unattainable. Yeah, we've had this conversation a million times. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I thought a lot of it was like it was okay. Like I mean, rating wise, I think this is a hard one to rate. <sighs> It's kind of like a 7 out of 10 for me. It just kind of feels average. Yeah. Like a 73 out of 100. Somewhere in there. I think I'm in the same boat as you. I'd probably go around a 7 to a a 7.5. When it's like really hitting, it's like 9, 10 level. And then the melodrama shit is like 4 or 5 out of 10. I agree. I don't know. It's kind of cheap at certain spots. It just Uh turned me off. Even though like the scenes are literally supposed to turn you on according to my biology. (laughs) (laughs) So like it didn't make any sense to me. Yeah, man. It was a letdown. I really thought this would be like a, an instant favorite of mine. And then... You hadn't watched it before either. No. Yeah. This was a uh, like a Hail Mary pick on my end. You get those every once in a while, man. It's just... Yeah. That's the nature of it. Piss break. I don't know if I've ever like really expressed my love for what I'm about to recommend. Okay, I'm intrigued by that. Because um, I think this film was made at the wrong time. And I think it's criminally underrated. And everywhere I look on the internet, and now don't get me wrong, it might be an echo chamber, but according to my algorithm, this film is loved by a lot of people and it never got the commercial success that it was supposed to achieve. Okay, do I know what this is? Yeah, I think so. It's a Disney film. Okay. It was just made at the wrong fucking time. And I don't think it's like a perfect film by any means, and it definitely has its shortcomings, but I think it's something so unique. I think its popularity would grow immensely if it was made today. I think I have an idea of what it is. Okay. This film, I loved it when I was like 14. (laughs) Um, It's uh, Tron Legacy. That's not what I was guessing. Okay, good. (laughs) Weird fucking movie. Wait, is this the 80s one or the reboot one? This is the reboot. Okay, I've never seen... Any Tron stuff. Good. You don't need to see the original to enjoy mm-hmm. this film by any stretch of the means because I've never actually even seen like the classic Tron. So yeah, I like, heard it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, it's it was um definitely of its time. It actually like paved the way for like a lot of special effects. The way that film was done was um, Star Wars ended up using like some of the techniques used in that and stuff like that. So yeah, I fucking love this movie. Soundtracked by Daft Punk exclusively. Okay. I remember back when we reviewed uh, Discovery by Daft Punk, you mentioned Tron. I I think I had an idea that you liked it, but not to uh, what degree, at least. I um I probably haven't seen this seen this movie in like five or six years. Like it's been a long time. I used to wear it out 
I used to play a game that was like made like to go in conjunction with the film. And I thought like it, it might be a little bit of a double header because there was like a full length record, like a, like a full length score for the film as yeah. well. Um, so if you kind of want to lean heavy into the soundtrack as well, um, there are moments in the film that like really help elevate those moments. And uh, I've been eating up Daft Punk uh, for a couple of weeks now. And I think it might be a good time to talk about Daft Punk and my love for this film because it's underrated. And um, Random Access Memories is turning 10 years old. And uh, on uh, May 12th, they're uh, releasing a 10th anniversary edition of the record. So With unreleased music, apparently. Yeah, like nine new, nine new tracks. And so I, I want to talk about Daft Punk because... It's fucking Daft Punk. They're fucking awesome. And yeah. this is a this is a really amazing movie. And I implore you to watch it in the highest quality you can. Like if you can watch it in 4K, you should because this is a beautiful film. That's really funny. I, I was just revisiting Discovery like two weeks ago. Yeah. And was like super into it. The, the big question on my end is I can't remember if it if it's Kurt Russell or Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. Does he return for this new one? Yeah. Hell yeah. I fucking love Jeff Bridges. Yeah. He's awesome. Who else is in it? Um, I, don't, I have like no knowledge about Tron outside of like the Kingdom Hearts level I played when I was a kid. <laughs> um, Olivia Wilde's in it. Okay. Um, can't remember the the main character's name, Sam, but his actor is kind of forgotten to time at, at this uh, point. But um, well, you know, we'll visit it. We'll get there. It's a lot of fun, and um, it's got its, it's got its shortcomings as well. But it should be fun. I'm excited. Fuck yeah, man! Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Before you give me the green light to sign us out this is something i forget to do every time that we do a podcast we have social media for two mm-hmm. dudes brews and reviews um we have a facebook page we have uh instagram and tiktok under the name uh the whitest guys that's also our at on twitter if we like see interactions on there i'll update it more often but now it feels like i'm just uh yelling out into the universe with nobody there sometimes yeah you're speaking into oblivion bro so uh follow us and i'll try and make some quality shit on those yeah reach out ask questions yeah be curious listeners can recommend things if they want to or like bring up topics for bonus episodes and troll me god damn it come on yeah how can we really know that we've made it until we have a hater you know that's Just- what i want i want a white kid that's 13 but he has the repertoire and vocabulary of a 27 year old <laughs> knows how to get to my heart uh-huh. that's what i want um good plug uh we'll come back we gotta do a bonus episode here in a few um but uh if you could for the first time tonight uh give us a good old-fashioned uh sign us out adios